Did you know that there are 55,000 fake banknotes currently in circulation in Australia? That's the, the estimate. Uh, uni students, don't worry, they're mostly 50s, so uh, you're not going to have to experience that problem. Uh, but there's various tests that you can do on a $50 note to, to see if it's real. Uh, if you scrunch it up because it's a polymer, it should just kind of bounce back to, to a flat shape. Uh, or you can test it under a UV light. Uh, the number 50, uh, not the one that you can see, but a kind of hidden one in the corner shows up if you put a $50 note under a UV light. And so you can spot the fakes because most of the counterfeits uh, don't go to that level of detail. Uh, the letters of John are written to churches with fakes in circulation. Not dodgy notes, uh, false teachers going around with counterfeit gospels, saying something different to what John heard from the Lord Jesus. And in this passage that we just had read, John wants to show uh, the, the people of these churches uh, how to spot the fakes. And that's helpful for us, uh, because we need to be able to spot uh, false teachers in our age as well. Uh, but there's also an extra payoff in this passage, uh, because the same test that you use to uh, test if someone is uh, a true or false teacher of the gospel, the same uh, test applies to anyone, really, who claims uh, to belong to Jesus. 
Uh, so if you're here tonight and if you want assurance that you are in Christ, uh, then the same test applies. And it's the God is light test. That's the, the first uh, thing that John launches into. It's, it's the basis point from which he works. Uh, verse 5, God is light. In him is no, there is no darkness at all. It's this absolutely foundational fact about God, that God is light. And if that is true, uh, then there's, uh, there's really two big implications that he draws out for anyone who wants to say that they belong to that God, the God who is light. Uh, before we get into those uh, two big implications, uh, first we need to work out uh, what does he mean when he says God is light? What, what does that mean? Uh, how is he light? Well, uh, obviously it's a metaphor, it's a, it's a one-word picture, and it means a couple of things. Uh, it means that he's good, not evil. That's what it means, that God is light. In the movies, the good guys wear white and the baddies wear black. Darth Vader, he's a baddie. Uh, but that's why Batman is such a good character, because... Uh, he's kind of a good guy, but he wears black. And so he's conflicted. He's this tense ball of, you know, confliction. Um, but movies always do that. They use that light-dark metaphor, either to show us who's really good and who's really bad, or to confuse us about who's really good and who's really bad. But for God, it's simple. Uh, light is a metaphor of his moral purity, his holiness that there's no trace of evil in him. God is light, so he's good and not evil. But it also means that he's true and not false. He's not deceptive in any way. Light, uh, as a metaphor, works in that true, false, kind of truth-falsehood kind of way. Uh, We describe honesty as bringing things to light. Uh, And to lie is to keep something in the dark. But God is light in that he's always absolutely true. Uh, Numbers 23 says that God is not human, that he should lie. And really, we could have a whole sermon on that one verse, verse 5, that God is light. Uh, But really, what John goes on to say uh, pulls out those two things, that he's good and not evil and that he's true and not false. And he makes two big applications from that core truth that God is light. And uh, those two things are the test for whether uh, someone is really in the Lord or not. So the, the first application for us, if God is light, then don't be a liar about sin. If God is light... Don't be a liar about sin. There's a really easy structure to spot in this passage uh, in the first half. There's three claims uh, that are made in verses 6, 8 and 10. And they're each claims about sin. Uh, Read with me uh, those three verses. Uh, Verse 6, if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, so claim fellowship with God and yet sin, 
that's the first claim. Uh, then verse 8, if we claim to be without sin. And then verse 10, if we claim that we have not sinned. See, they're impossible claims. We can never be without sin. And uh, sin always breaks our fellowship with God. It always breaks that relationship. So each claim is a lie about sin. And that's exactly what John says. Have a look. Uh, If we make those claims, then verse 6, he goes on to say, we lie and do not live out the truth. Verse 8, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And verse 10, we make him, God, out to be a liar and his word is not in us. See, these false teachers are spreading lies about sin. That they don't have sin and that they can walk in darkness and still have fellowship with God. And John wants uh, his churches to be able to recognise them and also to not do the same thing, to not make the same false claims. And so it's the same message for us. Don't be a liar about sin. Because there are uh, people today who I think qualify as liars about sin. Uh, People who say that Sin doesn't exist or it's not a big deal. I can kind of spot two types. Uh, There's the secular type. There's the Oprah types who believe in the goodness of humanity and uh, who say that sin is a religious invention and that really people are good. And in some ways that's understandable if they don't uh, believe in a holy God. But there's also the Christian type. People who say it's possible to get rid of sin, absolutely. Uh, You just need a special anointing or uh, to surrender to God and then you can be able to fully conquer sin. That seems to be what's happening uh, here in 1 John. Uh, But John says that people who say that are not Christian at all because they deceive themselves and they make God out to be a liar if they say there's no such thing as sin. God is light. So he's true and not false. And so his people are to tell the truth about sin. To look it squarely in the eye, in ourselves. Have you ever had the opportunity to look in a dressing room mirror? Uh, One of those mirrors with all the bulbs around the outside and the, the mirror in the middle. Don't do it. Whatever you do, do not look in that mirror. It's absolutely hideous. Uh, it's just every wrinkle, every blemish just kind of bursts off your face. Uh, I did it once. I just happened to be going through a dressing room for some reason, switched on the lights, and it's just like, oh, <laughs> turn it off, turn it off. That's hideous. Uh, but that is, that's the true pattern of the Christian life to tell the truth about sin, to look at ourselves in the mirror and to be honest with God in the light, to to tell the truth about sin, not claiming perfection and lying about that, not claiming perfection but confessing poverty and bringing our own sin to light before God. You see that in the alternative uh, to these uh, fake claims. Uh, Read with me from verse 8 and 9. 
Verse 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And here's the alternative. Uh, If we confess our sins, that's the alternative, to admit that we do sin and to confess our sins. To live an open, honest life before God. Don't be a liar about your sin. Confess it before God and before others. Now, that might seem hard. It is hard, but it's good. It's, it's so good for you to bring uh, that to light. Not to keep secret sins uh, hidden away. That they, they still cause damage back there. God is light, and one day he will expose uh, that truth. That we do sin. And so the question for us is, uh, will you live faking it, saying that you don't sin? Or will you do what pleases God? Be honest about your sin. We're going to do that uh, together later on, actually, uh, when we share the Lord's Supper. As part of it, we're going to confess our sins and the Anglican prayer book has us say that we have done wrong and we have failed to do what is right. It's going to be an opportunity publicly, without any details, but to publicly, together, confess our sins to God. And there's great news for people willing to do that, to be honest about sin. Uh, I'm not sure if you picked it up as we read it, but three times after each of these uh, false claims about sin, if you take the alternative, if you walk in the light and own up to your sin, then three times there's three assurances of forgiveness. Did you see that? So verse 7, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus... His Son purifies us from all sin. Or verse 9, if we confess our sins, if we take that alternative, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And then chapter 2, verse 1, My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin, but if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. I see the reason why it's safe to own up uh, to sin is because of Jesus. If Jesus didn't die, then uh, you do have to keep it hidden. You you can't uh, admit to any wrongdoing. Uh, But because Jesus has died, it means that we can be cleansed from sin. His death means that we can be forgiven because he is the atoning sacrifice, the one who has died in our place, taking the anger of God on himself, standing between God's anger and us, taking God's anger, cleansing us. That's what an atoning sacrifice does. And so there's no danger in confessing our sins. In fact, it's exactly by doing that by doing that, that we take hold of the forgiveness that Jesus has won for us. God is light. He's true and not false. 
So don't be a liar about sin. That's the first point. Uh, That's the test uh, for people who will come in claiming to speak the words of God and to test for anyone who wants to belong to the Lord. Don't be a liar about sin. Uh, The second point uh, we pick up in chapter 2, verses 3 to 11. God is light, so love like Jesus. The other thing these false teachers seem to be doing is that uh, they're claiming that they know God, but they're contradicting that with their lives. Uh, Again, we see three claims come up in verse 4, 6 and 9. Verse 4, whoever says, I know him. Verse 6, whoever claims to live in him. And verse 9, anyone who claims to be in the light. Uh, It's the same expression each time, actually. Uh, Whoever says X. Uh, They say it is one thing, and yet their life says another. It doesn't match up. So, uh, verse 9, anyone who claims to be in the light, but hates a brother or sister, is still in the darkness. That's the reality for them. They're actually still in the darkness. Because God is light, and that means that he's good and not evil. It's impossible uh, to belong to God and hate your brother or sister. It's just, it's impossible. That's darkness. And God is light. And so here we have false teachers who are uh, contradicting their claim to belong to God, this God who is light, uh, because they're still walking in darkness in the way that they act, the way that they treat those people around them. And so that's a test. He says, you'll be able to see that these guys are false because of the way that they live their life. He says, if we belong to God, then we need to love like Jesus. That's what he says in verse 5. Uh, verse 5 and 6. Uh, this is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Must live as Jesus did. If we want to say that we belong uh, to the God who is light, then we must uh, keep his command to love the way Jesus did. I imagine at this point, uh, John has cast his mind back, uh, back to uh, one night that he spent uh, with Jesus and the disciples, the night before uh, Jesus was betrayed and uh, the night before he died. And I just, I have to imagine that that was just the most defining moment for John. Uh, One of these uh, critical uh, moments in his life. Uh, He writes about it in John 13, in uh, the Gospel of John. And so I think it's worth uh, just reading it out and and listening to his account of that night and of uh, Jesus' love on that night. That's the night where he says, uh, a new command I give to you that you love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And this is what happened on that night. John 13, verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. 
Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I imagine uh, that that's uh, the night when John realised what it meant that God is light. Uh, When he saw God's Son uh, love even uh, those people who would uh, betray him and desert him. And so for John, that's the test. That's the God is light test. Do you love like Jesus loved? with humble, self-giving, self-sacrificing service. Because these false teachers don't, and that's how you know that they're false. They fail that test. God is light, so he's good and not evil. So we're to love like Jesus loved. What does that look like in practice? What does it look like to to love like Jesus loved? Uh, Well, it, can't, it looks like the little stuff. It's, it's literal basin and towel type stuff, like washing up, uh, like being the last to leave uh, from a party, from a friend's house, so you can stay and clean up, uh, through to the biggest stuff, the, the way that you shape your life around uh, sharing the gospel with people. Maybe it's uh, volunteering with the Red Cross to help a refugee family uh, settle into Australia. Uh, Well, I was really encouraged in the lead-up to the election last week. Uh, I heard lots of Christians thinking about uh, how they can vote in a way that uh, is good for others, not just for themselves, not just uh, which party's going to help my finances the best, but how can I uh, vote to help my neighbour? How can I take into consideration social issues, welfare, overseas aid, important things that take care of other people? That's what it means to love like Jesus loved, to care for someone else and not ourselves. And that's the test. That's the test for uh, teachers who come along. Do they uh, love like Jesus loved? And that's how we know if we're in the Father, if we love like Jesus loved. Now, as soon as I say that, uh, that might cause some disquiet in you and think, hang on a second. I feel like I don't love the way that Jesus loved. Does that mean that I'm not really in the light at all? And if that's you, if that's how you're feeling, then can I point you back to the first point? To be honest about our sin. That we're not perfect. And that we do sin. We do what is wrong and we fail to do what is right. But the mark of a Christian, someone who is truly in the light is to bring that to light before God, to confess our sin 
and to run to Jesus, the atoning sacrifice, the one who died in order to, order to cleanse us and to bring us back into fellowship with God. God is light, so don't be a liar about sin. And God is light, so love like Jesus. He has rescued us and set us free, uh, cleansed us from sin for that very purpose, to love the way that Jesus loved us. Amen.